Warning, this episode contains adult language, mature situations, plot synopsis, speculation on future stories, character analysis, rants, and spoilers after the end credits. Listener discretion is advised. Spirekin Television Tuesday, Episode 5. Hello everyone, guess what day it is? Tuesday! And that's, yes, that's right, and it's time now again for Spirekin's Television Tuesday, the podcast where we talk about new TV shows that we're watching episode by episode, and this is a special episode because we're actually talking about two episodes of the same TV show because I finally decided to get the free trial for DC Universe. We're actually talking about two episodes of one show, and then another episode of another show. So yeah, anyway, you can check out any of our earlier episodes at www.spirekin.com. We're also on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, Spotify, Stitcher, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, and various other social media sites. Just type in S-P-I-R-A-K-N, and you'll find us one way or another. Remember to follow us and like us. And if you have any questions or comments, you can email me personally at Zan, that's X-A-N, at Spirekin.com. Anything else we should talk about beforehand? There are... We're going to try to make this spoiler-free as much as possible, but after the end credits, we will have... Spoilers. Yes. Yes. Have to remember to do that. And one other thing, remember to check out our other podcasts, the manga review, movie review, game review, television review, and all the other podcasts we have, because we've got a lot of cool stuff. And we're going to be starting a Patreon, and with any Patreon subscription, we're going to be including a bunch of content, including older episodes that I had never released with old co-hosts, things that were never talked about, and just a couple of other cool videos and maybe even some Twitch streams. Stay tuned to find out more about that, and with that in mind, let's get to this week's TV episodes, and we're actually going to be starting off with one which is near and dear to our hearts, one that we really do enjoy. We're talking about Snowpiercer, Episode 5, and this is titled Justice Never Boarded, directed by Frederick E.O. Toy, who directed the last episode, and you could tell by the visuals in this episode, it was directed by the same guy. The story runs just the same. It's not that different. It's not a crime story now. It's more of a... Like the second part of Law and Order? Yeah, still a crime story, but it's definitely more of the back and forth with the criminal justice system. Yes, the script was written by Chinaka. Or lack thereof on the train. Very true. There, which we're going to get into in a bit. But this is uh, written by uh, Chinaka Hodge. And it's been a very crazy time on the Snowpiercer at this point. And this is the first time we actually find out where Snowpiercer is during the revolution they're going around. And they're passing the frozen remains of the frozen Amazon forest. And I've got to say, the Amazon rainforest looks... It's still kind of there. But you still kind of see tree trunks that aren't completely white. Like, everything before has been completely... Just covered in snow. Just covered in snow and then frozen over with more snow, more snow, more snow, more snow. Um... But the Amazon trees, like when they come out, you can, I feel like you see brown, like bark. Like I, granted, it's probably frozen. I agree. And also the river I was looking at, it looked like it was still moving. Is it starting to thaw? Maybe. I mean, in the movie, it takes 17 years and we're seven years in. So who knows? But this episode has a lot of moving parts. So I kind of broke it down in a little bit of a synopsis on each story that's going on. Because there's a lot of different players involved. First off, we've got uh, Break Woman Till. She gets married this episode to um, the confidant of Melanie. We're talking about no, but G- it wasn't really a marriage. It was a upgrade 
you're responsible for each other. I was expecting it to be a marriage. Well, I'm guessing it is. Or a wedding. They described it as a marriage, so I'm guessing it is a marriage. And she's married to Jinju, who is Melanie's confidant, and also the lady who makes all the sushi. So it's going to be kind of interesting. And she is responsible for Till, because now Till is second class. So anything that Till does to screw up stuff, she's now partially responsible for. Also, we see how the tickets are and they were, put in. They were very clear about that. Yes, they were. They're very clear. And also seeing the microchip inserted was kind of cool. Yeah. Like, here's your new key. Yep, here's your keys to the new house. Don't abuse it. And so she is super happy and life is going well. And she's pretty sure things are well for Leighton also. Because Leighton was... They told them that Leighton was going back to the tail. And they told t- the tail that Leighton was... They haven't up- said anything to the tail. The tail yep. is just... They're just assuming he's up train. Yep. Uh, but as you remember from the last episode, Leighton has been drawered. Yeah. And he is seeing a bunch of shit, which is really messed up because he's in a the official sleep medication drug haze, or the cr- official chronal drug haze. Seeing stuff that he had talked about earlier to them, and they said, oh, you're just saying stuff to scare us. And it's like, no. No, was... there really were cannibals, and to squash it, they killed the leader, the leader of the cannibals. And ate his heart. And everybody ate his heart. So they cut it up. Yeah, it's a little... Disgusting. Kind of twisted for that. Graphic. Now, that's going on with Leighton. He's stuck in the drawer. Now, Audrey of the night car is a little pissed off about what's going on with the trial of the murderer from last episode because apparently representation's only going to be first and second class and the two murdered victims, one was her friend and two... They were from third class. Third class. So she is making a bunch of to-do... That they get equal representation from all three classes, even though technically you could. Bitch. She was the one in the peach. No, outfit. she's she's the boss of the night car. Yeah, so she it, it was a really cool outfit that she has on. But she's supposed they're also the night car is supposed to be Switzerland. They're supposed to be neutral, and she's making a political statement that's not neutral. There's more to it, which we'll talk about in the spoilers. But this is her circumstance that she's going on. Now, while this is all going on, you have the uh, Folger family dealing with the fact that one of their family members is on trial. And their response to it, which is a little bit, do you want to say insane? They are a weird family. They're taking it very hard because they're a first class family and we're seeing the divide because some members... They're kind of like the first of the first class family. That is a very good point. They're like the founders of the country club, kind of, if I were to try to draw, like, a comparison or something. And we're seeing how they are one type of the first class. Because there's some members of the first class who are sympathetic and they're good people. The Folgers and their ilk, their compatriots, are all horrible. And they're starting to do machinations, which are going to have repercussions later on. And their daughter's psycho. Yes, and we'll get to that in the spoiler section about all that insanity. So the majority of this episode is the trial, also with Melanie dealing with the stress of all of this going on, because she is ready to snap at this point, and everything that's bad is happening is on her head. Now, final thing is, like we said, the tail doesn't know what's going on with Leighton, so Josie is going back into third class to find out what's going on, and she is going to get assistance from Terrence, 
who we talked about last time, who's head of the janitors and also kind of the mob, to find out what happens. And with all of this, a lot of craziness happens. So that's all we're going to say about the plot. But overall, good episode. Great episode. A lot of the characters are well realized and everybody is pulling 150%, I think. Yeah. You buy how insane the Folgers are. How just... Like the daughter, you hate her, but she's doing an exceptional job because her job is to make you want to hate her. And she's just... And at first you think that the husband is just a subordinate and it's like... Like a pet, but he's not. He's not. He has his own thing going on. You're like, okay, so he's much more than that. He's being a protector in a very fucked up way. Like, yes, the mom is alpha female, but that doesn't mean the dad is a pushover. Yeah. He's and just, he's just, uh, he prefers to be the man in the shadow. Pretty much. He's not, but he's not in charge. He's totally not in charge. No. He's not, but he's the support, support system. And I like that. Now, other characters that are kind of big, seeing Terrence back and seeing him being still, he has his own agenda, but he's willing to help you a little bit. That was kind of nice. Uh, seeing Audrey step up because she's been the for the last couple episodes she's been very like I'm neutral I'm just here to do this do that and then last episode when she said I'm with you to Layton it's now she is taking a side yeah and with the end of this episode there are now things have come to a point where the keg is a centimeter away from exploding and it's gonna take just one thing to set this off. And I'm pretty sure that next episode, things are going to go off. I mean... Like the the anxiety that's growing in you while watching the episode is just continuously building. It's like... And it's a good anxiety, but it's also like a, what the hell's going to happen next? Like, you know that there's going to be a jump scare. Something's going to happen from around the corner. You just don't know when it is. Now, on the one hand, if we watch this all as one marathon, I don't think we'd appreciate this as much. I think the fact with the wait and we're like, oh God, what's going to happen? What's going to happen is... Oh, I think I would appreciate it just as much because that's my preferred method of watching stuff. So yeah, so definitely this is a watch, definitely. Oh, stop what you're doing and watch it is my official. Yes, that was what our, our, we said our ratings. If you stop what you're doing, watch it and binge it, enjoy it, stop and stream it. Do it now, worth it. Next. So now we're talking about the show that we've been very meh about. Talking about DC Stargirl, uh, episode one, or sorry, season one, episode four, Wildcat, directed by Rob Hartley and uh, written by James Dale Robinson. Now, first off, we gotta say this I'm getting this out of the way because I've been talking about this every episode essentially. Trey Romano is a little shit. He's a little shit and he's not getting better. Well, that's not true. In the next episode, he's better. But this episode, he is horrible and you want to kill him. The little brother, he's just not in it, it a lot, which is preferred, frankly. No, in the last episode, in Wildcat, he's in it a lot. And he just, he's, like, any sane parent would have been like, you're grounded, I'm taking away all your stuff. And they're just like, let's let him gallivant. Let's let him talk to his stepmother and, and demand to eat junk food. He's a... Okay, but at the same time, he's a teenage boy wanting Pop-Tarts. Like, True. Teenage little boy, hey, here's a beautiful omelet, or you know there's Pop-Tarts in the house. I mean, even as an adult, I'm like, hmm, Pop-Tart. No, I agree there, but he's like, his dad, like, 
I'm guessing there's more to it. Maybe that the when the mom left or died, like he's like, okay, do whatever you want, son. And now it's like, it's that's coming to bite him in the ass. I think I'm not seeing it as harshly as you. I think you're being a little hard. Uh, I just he's coming off as really bad. But anyway, so this episode is not about uh, the little brother. No, the thankfully, s- the star of this episode is Yolanda, the girl who was once popular, who they had put slut on her her. Uh, Locker. Locker. This is her story, and this is probably the best episode of the series so far. And it develops her character in a way that you actually sympathize with her, you're intrigued by her, and you want to see what's going on. Personally, if the show was Wildcat, I would be very invested in that, as her as the lead. I oh, yeah. It would. It's so much more. She could have her own show. She totally could. She has horrible parents. Her parents are overbearing and trains, because we find out in the opening scene how she became an outcast and it's a she went from the most popular girl in school who not just the most popular girl in school but she was like the most on top of everything she was wholesome she was great with school she was like student council president running for it running for student council yeah she was just on top of all of it schoolwork boyfriend um life is great athletic stuff like she was she was just all in and because of an incident that occurs all of her cards fall down and she's now relegated to a... She's an outcast within school and her family. And her family are blaming her horribly on this situation. Which, on the one hand, is kind of understandable. Why they're upset. But to the degree they are upset is very... It's much, I think. But again, like new, they're, new They're world. not even taking her to church. Yeah, that's... that's they're like much. pretending that she doesn't exist. Yeah, it's just... It's a tragic situation that's going on with her. But... Uh, She's dealing with that. Now, Courtney, in the last episode, we talked about that she raided the JSA headquarters and took every single object and item there was, except for Hootie the Owl, who didn't want to go with her. And she's been trying to play around, see what works, what doesn't work. And it's funny that one of the most powerful weapons doesn't work. She's like, oh, this is just a piece of garbage. And then as she leaves the room, I love that you hear... uh, Like the little cackle? Yep. So I'm hoping that something good happens with that. I really am. Just to kind of be like, you were wrong. But she's trying to find out what's going on. She decides that the first person she's going to pick is Wildcat. Because Wildcat's awesome. So she's going to have Wildcat. And she's going to have Yolanda. Because Yolanda, in the yearbook from last year, was a trained to be MMA fighter. She's going to have her be Wildcat. And after a couple of... Because she's fit. She's also kind of an outsider. So, like... Even if she was going to tell somebody that she's a superhero, who would you tell? Exactly. Who's she going to tell? Who's she going to believe? Like the strong, kick-butt, loner girl? Perfect target to be a superhero. Secret superhero. And at first, she doesn't want to deal with it. And also, her family won't even let her go visit. So how she gets to go there the first time, I don't know how that happens. She doesn't have a cell phone. Well, I, I think she just sneaks out of her room. The first the, the first time they get there? When she sees tries on the outfit? Yeah. Because it's her trying on the Wildcat outfit, and it's kind of cool how... Because when she comes back home, too, the the parents go, where were you? I didn't even know you were out. That's true. That is true. But this episode is an origin story of her getting her outfit, trying it on, and getting the confidence to realize she wants to be a superhero. It's a great origin story. I like the way they the, that they did it. And it's, it's cool that Courtney is actually a good person in this. She's not horrible. Like she's been. She's actually compassionate and caring. And I love this side of Courtney. 
That's what makes me interested in the show. And this episode vested Ewing completely. The other, the B plot is Pat uh, gets a car brought in because it's not working, and it's uh, William Zarek's widow, Denise, the wizard's widow, who just lost her her husband and her son in the last episode. And she's just like, fix it, please. I want to get out of this town. And listen, I like you, Pat. You're a nice guy. Take your family. Get the fuck out of Blue Valley. And he and she, he wants to be a good neighbor and say, hey, if you need to talk, you know, or or not talk, you know, I'm I'm here and I'm available. And and she's like, no, no, no. I have to get out of this town because all I have left of my son is, and it's a box with his magic stuff and a cat in a carrying case. Yeah, and she's gonna leave. Uh, you have an introduction of one of the major members of the ISA, the Injustice Society of America, Dr. Ito, a.k.a. the Dragon King, and he looks like a cult leader. And he also has this dragon looking, and he says, at first, I didn't believe in this injustice. And he has, like, lizard eyes? Yes. You know, that, that double reptilian, lid? The reptilian yeah. eyes. And it's cool seeing him talk to Icicle, and Icicle's, like, on edge with him. But he admits, he's like, he's like, I didn't believe in your vision, but now I'm totally in in it. And I'll help you out. I'll build your device. I'll build your machine. I just want a couple things. I want the wizard's body. Why he wants it, we don't know. But they do mention one of the other villains who is in the image that is not in the current roster. They talk about how the Shade betrayed them. So I'm curious what happened with the Shade and if he's going to show up. Because the Shade is a very cool villain who's very Green Lantern-y, except he uses shadows. Hence the name, Shade. And it kind of... And that's with that. And the ending of the episode is kind of... It sets up a little bit more going on. But this was a great episode. This is a... You stream it. Uh, definitely stop what you're doing and stream it. It's excellent. Now... It's the best episode we've had yet. Yes. And usually we'd stop here or talk about something else. But we, or I, decided to finally pony up and get DC Universe or the free... Uh, trial we'll see how it goes but we saw the new episode of star girl which came out yesterday on dc universe it comes out tonight we yeah, that's why we don't release it we usually do it the next day because we get to watch it that night as opposed to having to record an episode then release it immediately afterwards we have some time to compress and think about it digest yes digest it so anyway we saw last night the newest episode which is episode five season one of star girl our Man and Dr. Midnight, directed by David Straitson and written by Melissa Carter. And this one is very similar, kind of, because the first one's about Wildcat. So it's about the new Wildcat, Yolanda. This one sets up the origin story for the new Our Man. And I kind of like the direction that we're going in, because if it's just a collection of origin stories, they did that really well so far. And Beth got really screwed on that, though, and it's kind of unfair. Yeah, but she's going to come back stronger than ever. I hope she does, because I like, I, I mean, she's annoying, but I would, I feel like they did her wrong in this episode. I think they also need to be careful of Beth, because she loves her parents so much, and she's so tight with them, um, that if she spills the beans But I'm talking about parents, just in a, a, a filming mention, like... She's going to be a major part of the series. And they say, we're just going to give you half an ep- uh, like a corner episode to talk. We're not giving you a whole episode dedicated to you. I think she, she deserved a whole episode. When she talks, she talks enough to catch up on everything. I think if you counted word for word, she got words in there. So you don't think that she needs a whole episode? No, I think that they're going to kind of come... 
rotate back and give her... I think her episode's going to be tied to more and more people, which is going to be really cool. Which makes her a sidekick, and I don't kind of... I think... Well, anyway. So this episode deals with the original Hour Man, who we knew came to Blue Valley, what happened to him and his family, and the fact that he has a son who was left with his brother-in-law. Yeah. And the brother is now... And the son's now a teenager living with a resentful... Uncle figure who's calling himself his dad... Yeah. While this is going on, Courtney uh, has to deal... It's also Halloween. It's a Halloween episode. So Yeah, that's kind of weird, right? The timing's off. There's going to be a Christmas episode. You know that. And actually, something cool is... Uh, well, we'll get to that in the spoiler section. Something I, I noticed and I looked up beforehand. But anyway, so you have um, Courtney discovering that the hourglass resonates whenever rick is around so obviously she's going to give the hourglass to rick and discovers that that's actually the son of our man and while this is going on beth who f- saw them last episode decides to kind of stalk that stalk yolanda and courtney because they're superheroes and she's interested and you see she's very starved for attention yeah because her entire life used to be her parents used to revolve their entire world around her but now they're both so busy that um, she ha- used to have all of this attention all the time, 24-7, best friends, and now they want their lives back, and she's on her own. And she understands it intellectually, but she's still like, oh, they're still my best friends. I want to hang out. We want to do things. We're still... Because still- she still loves them and thinks they're cool and wants to hang out with them. And because of that, she never invested in other people to be their friend or learn how to be a friend to somebody else her age. So now she's in this weird loop but now she finds people who she sits with every day who are kind of cool it's like i could be their friend they could be my friend and the thing is you can see it in her she's like trying to learn how to be a friend which is kind of cool and then she gets someone who actually cares about her because as she goes to the house because courtney left all of her stuff in a gym bag the uh this their their pit bull dog gets a hold of Dr. Midnight's glasses. He's not a pit bull. He's an English bulldog. He's a bulldog. You're right. And he's so cute. But the bulldog has a pair of goggles that she puts on. And it's Dr. Midnight's goggles, which has an AI in it, which is the AI of Dr. Midnight. And he actually explains everything that's going on. And you actually see it's all an augmented reality that shows every single thing possible. It's constantly showing names everywhere. And she finds out what's going on. She becomes the exposition dump. And at first... You have Courtney's like, oh, no, you have to take those off. You can't use those. And she's like, I know how this works. And it's heartbreaking because she's being sidelined because she's too weird. It's like, no. Because she's kind of annoying. She is kind of weird. And nobody knows if they can trust her. Not that they have reason to not trust her. It's just they don't know enough about her. And even the AI is like, you don't say anything because that's rule number. You know, it, it the AI is helping her out. Like, is a is a is a friend to her, and I like that. But she almost needs that person in her ear to be like, okay, tell this person hello, stop talking, walk away. You know, which could be happening. And we see how Rick uh, is dealing with the, the the loss of his parents, and more importantly, how he how angry he is. And this leads to him joining the group in a very weird way. Now, on the other end, we have Pat finding out, finally, that Courtney didn't listen to him and stole all the stuff. Like, all of it. So he's a little pissed. He's going to be a little pissed off. The wreck thing is going to be in the next episode. 
Now, the other element is that the ISA, the gambler, who who gets a shine in this episode, gets some intel on some information, and then proceeds to systematically destroy everybody who was involved in getting the intel. Which, you have to admit, is a boss move. It's very James Bond villain-esque. Like, oh, I paid you the, the $2,000. Go in this helicopter. You'll be fine. And the helicopter Yeah, but crashes. at the same time, it's like, then you're constantly recruiting somebody to give you info. Well, he's a supervillain. I know, I'm just saying. He's not a power supervillain. He's just an intelligent villain. So, I gotta say, I'm kind of excited for that. Also, we get another uh, visual of Grundy in this episode, and he's looking good. Good being creepy. He's Solomon Grundy. Yeah. So, overall, we're, we're, there's more going on, but we'll talk about it in the spoilers. So, overall, this episode... I'm on, warming up to it. It's finally getting better. It's better. It's not as good as the last episode. Because you had, like I said, two different people you're following. Like, Origins of Our Man and the new Doctor Midnight, maybe. Because Courtney, like I said, she steps forward and she steps back. This episode... She's stepping forward with a lot, but she is also really, like, pulls a super mean girl thing. Like, condescending mean girl. And that just makes me not like her as much. And yes, she's a teenager, but it's... I want her to come back and realize what she did and realize the value. If she apologizes to Beth by the next episode, I'll be like, fine. But she shouldn't be sidelining and doing that. I hope that that Pat puts her in her place finally. But they're going to have to, like... Learn how to trust, develop their own secret society, decide what they tell, what they don't tell, who they can... Trust. Right. We're going to have to wait and see. But, so, yeah, this is not a meh. It's higher than a meh. We'll come up with a fourth rating. I do want to say borrow from a friend, but that's not how TV shows work. It's going to be... Well, we'll figure out. I actually watched it. It's... it's, a, it's like, a... I, I stopped what I was doing to watch it. Which, usually, like, I'm, like, kind of keeping busy, like fidgeting and stuff like that yeah it's getting compelling and interesting we're not going to give up on this show yet so we'll see it's getting better it's a slow grow for me yeah so i think that's it for this episode we're actually going to be releasing another tv tuesday today two of them the second one's going to be talking about catching you up on a tv show that starts next week and we're going to be adding to the television tuesday besides star star girl and Snowfinder. And we'll talk about that in the next episode, but... Snowpiercer. Snowpiercer, you're right. Sorry, Snowpiercer. They found the snow. It's all... It's everywhere outside the train. Very true. But I think that's it for this episode. Check these shows out. Watch it. If you if you guys have been watching it, let us know. Email us at uh, spirekinsgmail.com or zanspirekin.com. Let us know what you thought of Stargirl and Snowpiercer this week. So with that in mind... I'm Greta. I'm Zan. We'll see you after the credits for the spoilers and uh, have fun, guys. Keep watching TV.
Spoiler time! Hello everyone, it's Zan. And Greta. We're back again. Now we're talking about our spoilers for the episode. So, question is, since we kind of flip it backwards for every spoiler, we're going to start with Stargirl. And let's be honest right now. What do we think about the spoilers for Wildcat? And so, Wildcat got more into the fact that Yolanda got, became an outcast because she decided to send her boyfriend... Well, no, her boyfriend asked for... Pics. Sexy pictures. And he said, you know, he was texting, you know, I miss you. Please send me a picture. Um, and you can see a lot of girls get trapped in that. That's topical. Because he says that he, he, love, he cares about her, he loves her, and she seems conflicted, but she decides... I'll do it because I'm a, you know, I love you or I care about you. And it's just for him and he really loves her. And and when it shows the next morning, he's showing it to his friends. But the tough part is like girls that age should be taking like, well, they should not be taking sexy photos, but usually it's done like with the bra on. She takes that off. But with the bra off, you could even say it. She should have hit back and said, that's a, that's a Photoshopped image. But she didn't. But she was a teenage girl. She's a teenager. But the, but when he's showing it to his friends, a couple of guys, the bitchy girl Cindy Berman grabs the phone and looks at it, and apparently within a second forwarded it to herself. Yeah, so she was able to send it to everybody in school. But she she waited for her right moment. She sent it to everybody during her commencement speech. Right, for class president. And. The big thing is that we know as comic fans that Cindy Berman is evil. She's Stargirl's arch nemesis, Sheev. And she's also the daughter of the Dragon King who we meet in this episode. So we know she's smart and she's vicious and, and insane. And her whole reason for doing this is because she wants Henry Bowman Jr. It's kind of crazy that she's so obsessed with this guy. Yeah. But I think a lot of women have gone to high school with a girl like her. If you didn't, you're lucky. Or you are her. <laughs> right, exactly. But what I'm thinking is that she knows what's going on. She knows that Brainwave is the lieutenant of Icicle, and her dad is another lieutenant of Icicle. Maybe they think they're the leaders of the next ISA, and they, they're supposed to be together forever and love each other, and it, that's not how it works. Um, when we talk about episode five, we see that it's going to get to a head. But it's a cool seeing. It was dramatic seeing how the change with Yolanda's family from them rooting for her, wearing shirts saying "Vote for Yolanda" and thumbs up. And like every day, she would put a new button on her person, and her dad was wearing one, her grandma was wearing one, the brother was in for it. Like a good brother would be like tight family unit. And it goes from that to the brother still got her back, which is kind sweet of, kind of, and endearing. And he wants to. The grandmother, you know, she has this speech. So she comes out and she goes, I get it. I know what I did was wrong. I'm so, you couldn't be more sorry than I am. I've been grounded forever. I'm not doing anything else. Please let me be a member of this family again. And the grandma, the looks grandma looks and she has this sweet look on her. Like, like she's almost ready to go back and hug her granddaughter and be like, you suffered enough. Let's help you move past this as a good girl. You've learned your lesson. But instead, the parents are like, no. At first, you think the dad is going to be nice about it, but the dad is no. The dad's the one who's not swayed, and the mom is the one who's vicious and says, no, you're ruined. You're like, 
she's ruined that's really harsh to say it wasn't like she was raped it's not like she's a puta i mean yes she's she sent dirty pictures but and she's paying her price for it but i feel like if the family were to help her try to clean up her image and get over it this is so much psychological stuff that them pushing her away they're gonna push her away she's they're gonna lose her forever they are and they don't care they it seems very hypocritical it doesn't seem like a good christian family it's it's kind of old school christian it's like uh you know if your daughter's a harlot you kind of she's she's unclean so i kind of get that but it's still horrific what they do to do to her but at that point then ship her off to a nunnery don't like like fully disown her don't just ground her and make her go to the same school with all the same people Loving parents would have taken her out of that school. But we wouldn't have had a TV show if that was the case. So I do like that at first she's like, I, I don't want to hang out with you. No promises. But then she's like... She's like, I have to figure out who I am before I can pretend to be somebody else. But I love when you first see her talking to her parents. When they first like ignoring her. And she's like, listen, I know you're mad at me. but And a, I know what I did was wrong. A friend of mine would like me to go over. It's a girl... And she'd like me to come over for dinner. May I? No, go to your room. But she tries. And it didn't even feel flippant to me. It didn't feel like, oh, okay, because it's a no, I'm just going to go anyway. It felt like she really put herself out there. That moment was well acted, well scripted. She was like, that was the moment. That's the pivotal moment. Moment. The uh, the first and second part. The red flag, the... I think both parts were it. Just her acting the, in general is great. There's a term for it when it's the catalyst that sets everything else off. I know you're talking about I can't think of it at the moment, but... Um, but it's that was the moment for it to go either way. And because the family says, no, you're a horrible person to their teenage daughter who's trying to learn how to be an adult. Instead of shaping who she is as an adult, they shut her down. So, okay, she goes to her room and goes out the window, and she's like, okay, yeah, I'm in. But what? But, Let's play superhero. But that's at the end of the episode when she finds on her, her nightstand, because she's crying, she sees the costume she gets with a smiley face on it, which says, I can't do this without you. And that's the star girl we want, the girl who brings joy and, like, inspiration. And the what, sweet star girl. Yes. And when she goes over and she shows her the costume and says, I'm a superhero. And explains like, oh, my dad did this. And it's like, the way she's bringing up, it's her dad. It's her dad. At first it was like, okay, it's charming. At this point, she's building up this mythology in her head. And, and it's all hinging on it. So if she finds out. Or when she finds out that it's not, her dad isn't Starman. Is she going to lose all hope and faith? Probably she's going to deal with that. Because she's putting everything on this. She really is. But she's pushing it so hard. It's like the shoe dropping is going to be either well acted or horrible. But that's what we're going to wait for. But she gives the costume to uh, Yolanda. And I love that she's like, this smells like an old gym locker. I also really loved the tech of... It was super baggy and she was up and she's like, I can, I can tailor it and I can get it fitted to you. You know, like let's, we have something to work with. Well, well, let's try the cowl on. And then when you put the cowl on, it turns into. 
perfectly fitting. Yeah, it's all nanotech. And then she's like, what are powers? And she, and she's like, uh, uh, look on, on Wikipedia. And she's like... Wikipedia says you can jump off a building. Like, really? Wikipedia? It's like, like, let's work up to that. Like, I don't know much. And then she's like, well, how long did you train with your dad for? Uh, I didn't train with my dad. And the power she gets, I like her power set that she, the suit automatically corrects her posture. It's not super ability. She has a retractable claw. So she's kind of like Black Panther. But a mo- not as cool Black Panther, I think. Because Black Panther right, doesn't like black need kitty. the suit. Black Panther doesn't need the suit. She needs the suit for her abilities. Right. Yes, she can fight, but that's it. And their training mission is they're going to break into the hospital, grab the key log to find out more ISA members. Even though Pat said, I'm going to research and find out who the ISA members are. Because apparently Cordy thinks she doesn't need Pat. Well, Pat doesn't did shut her down a little bit. He, he really kind of came back and he's like, no, it's too dangerous. I'm doing it. Because a kid just died. Now, that's one point of this episode which I didn't we didn't bring up earlier. But it's this has been like a day since uh, Billy Zarek died. You would have seen kids mourning something. But no, everyone's like, yay, how you doing? Hi. It's like, everything's fine. And... Like they all got over it a little too fast. Yeah, and especially Courtney should have gotten not gone over this fast. This should have been a major point. Like this should have been like never again. But it's like nope, forgot about it entirely. But it's also like not a strong enough show to be able to pull something like that. Yeah, this is when like Zarek, the death of Billy Zarek should have happened after the team was formed. Or while it was being formed, and had it be something that brought them together. Yeah, not just a second ep- or a third episode. Here it is, because that's what, I think that's why the S- the Marvel Cinematic Universe took so long to build up to death is permanent. That death causes problems because it's a big deal, and it's like DC still hasn't figured out that. You can't shortchange these things. You have to follow a pattern. You can't be like, I'm going to do this here and then forget about it. It's There's a, mytholo- a methodology to this. Like, the the heroes have to mourn the death, but we as the viewers should be mourning the death. Yeah, it just shouldn't be a forget and, and let's get on with it. But that's, Yeah, it's not a wardrobe change. And they're treating it kind of like a wardrobe change. That's like, the oh, only done. element of the episode that I didn't like about it. I did like that Denise, that whole thing with Pat and Denise, that felt real because it's her morning still. And it, and it was very real. And she's like, I got to get out. I got to get out. You, you got to get out. And it was when you see her just crying, it's like that scene should have been, every character should have been like that. And you understand when she just abruptly stops, she's like, I got to go. I got to walk. I got to get out. I got to, let me know when the car's done. Like that felt super realistic. And then when he's walking into the junkyard looking for spare parts and scrap and stuff like that, and he sees the cat, I was like... That's heartbreaking. Yeah. And the car is smashed up, and you see the box is still in there. You're like, oh, man. Like, they killed her. It started... Like, this made me feel like it's two different shows happening. It's like Pat's story and then Courtney's story, and she'd feel cohesive, and it's like... But Pat and Courtney aren't are not on the same page. They're not right now. When they get back to the same page, I think it'll be a stronger show. But this is a great episode because Yolanda and yeah, Courtney working together is great. It's starting to get good. 
also seeing how Yolanda is still pissed off at uh, Henry Jr. And she actually is going to attack him at one point, and then she stops when she sees that he's still... Like, he's he's sitting there with his dad, who's in a coma. But he did ruin her life. Well, he said he loved her. He begged for pictures. She sent it. And then the next thing she knew, the entire school had them. I think there's more to it than that. No, there 100% is more to it than that. But... She's still pissed. And justifi- justifiably Justifiably. So. Like, early on, he bumps into her, and he's like, oh my god, I'm so sorry. And it's like... it It was more than, I'm just sorry about this. He's like... He's sorry about the situation and he wishes things would go back. But he's dealing with a lot of stuff. His dad is in a coma. And also he's starting to get headaches more. And uh, But yeah, so that's all spoilers for episode four. Episode five, on the other hand, Henry is getting his powers. And the first thing he hears with his powers is his ex-girlfriend called him a jerk. Yeah. Yeah, that part. And she didn't figure out that he heard it. And he hasn't figured out that... He's, that was just in her mind. But her his dad's been trying to teach him and train him and say, what am I thinking? Tell me what I'm thinking. Concentrate. And watch. He's going to end up talking to his dad with his mind, and that's going to wake him up. That would be really kind of cool. So, but with the Our Man Dr. Midnight episode, episode five, I got to say that, first off, Lou Ferrigno Jr. playing Rex Tyler was pretty awesome because that's the, the son of the Incredible Hulk. So that's really cool. And seeing... Uh, the whole setup, and immediately you know that it's going to be bad for Rick, uh, Rick Taylor, be- Tyler, because the brother-in-law's like, wait, what are you doing? It's supposed to be one day. What the fuck? And he's like, well, I'm giving you $50,000 to take care of our son. That's not a little chump of change for 10 years ago. 2010? That's a lot. Yeah, it should have lasted. Yeah, and him... I'm, couldn't he be like, I'm taking my son and going to Silicon Valley and doing my own thing? Right? Wouldn't that have made sense? No, he's like, oh, well, I have to stay in this shithole and my life sucks. And Oh, they actually did say shithole in the episode. Yeah, they did. You're probably not going to hear that on, on uh, CW. CW. <laughs> they do curse in the show on, C- on uh, DC Universe. That was actually kind of cool. But seeing how they died is kind of... Cursing's not cool. Well, seeing how... Uh, Rex and his wife died. It wasn't a car accident. We knew that. It was Solomon Grundy. And seeing him smash it, that was a kind of cool scene. And then later on, seeing the fact that Pat knows that car, and he's like, that's Rex's car. Seeing Yolanda show them the car, and then freaking out, because that's scary. That's big stuff. Oh, you're talking about Beth, Beth freaking out. Oh, I'm sorry, Beth. But seeing Beth be able to show that to them and it freaking her out, that felt legitimate. That felt real. That felt like, yeah, you're dealing with some pretty big stuff here. That's... Don't know if you guys are ready getting for Getting to Beth. Once she got the Dr. Midnight goggles and was talking to the AI based on Dr. Midnight, that was cool. That was... that She became a better character because that she wasn't just the creepy... I'm in love with my parents, girl. She. Be- I like her moment in the graveyard. Where she sounds, and she's like, I, and she knows she's messed up. Yeah, but she doesn't know how to fix it. Yeah, and also seeing her in the in the last step in the last, we didn't talk about this in a couple minutes ago, but like she visits her parents, and that's how she finds out that uh, Yolanda and Courtney are superheroes. She sees them because she's visiting her parents, and like make them food. And it's like, oh, I made her this zucchini that's amazing and great, and it's like. 
even the orderly's like, yeah, you shouldn't do this. But what's nice is she sees them, but doesn't rat them out. Like, there's something endearing about her. Because they're like her friends. They're her table buddies. She's not going to... She thinks they're friends. I love to weirded out, weirded out uh, Mrs. Dugan, uh, Courtney's mom. She, yeah. like, weirded Why her Why don't out. you wait in the living room? Like, back up. Like, just stop talking. Yeah. It felt similar to when you're young and you're friends with, like, someone's parents. And you actually talk to them and they're, like, cool. It's like, oh, I didn't realize that happens. Or maybe you didn't realize it. But, so we have that going on, and I love that she gets the AI, and the AI shows all the different abilities she has. She has night vision, she has 3D models, and the the goggles were designed to make a blind man see. It's really cool. And the special effects on that were great. They were fantastic. Now, as for Rick... There's a lie detector feature in there, too. Yes, there is. Now, for Rick, it's a whole different situation. It's his power is he gets the hour man glass, and he's... Uh, hourglass he's like yeah i'm gonna go smash my uncle's truck because i'm pissed off at him the uncle's kind of oh he totally he totally deserved it getting into the thing but he's just like i'm so angry and i'm gonna and at first it's like that felt more authentic for a teenager too like his parents are dead he's got this shitty uncle who treats him not nicely steals his money and obviously beat him yeah he admitted he beat him so and so it's appropriate that he's angry all the time and he wants to take it out. And then he sees this piece of work uncle like hitting on a waitress. Um, and he has an hour of super un- strength. Ungentleman like. And instead of going in and picking a fight on the uncle, he goes and hits his truck. So he has some nobility to him. And I'm excited to see what happens to him if he's going to become noble or not. Or is he going to bring in the fact that. You brought us together when Stargirl figures out her dad is not Starman. Is the rage going to take over him or is he going to harness it? Because he wants revenge, but I think he's going to come out as the best in the in the group, I think. We're going to have to wait and see on that, but I am looking forward to seeing his story develop. And when you see um, all three of the girls, uh, you have uh, Beth, Yolanda, and Courtney go into the party and they're like, why did you pick Beth? Her superpower is she doesn't talk. Yep, that's right. I, I, I just talk too much. Like, they're so mean to her. And it's like... But she lets them be mean to her. Yeah, it's... I hope she is becomes the moral compass of the show. I think they'll they'll cross the line. And she'll Beth will have to stand up for herself. And she'll earn the respect. That is what's going to have to happen before the end of this season... That's what I would like to see. You know, if they step over the line and then Beth betrays them, um, it's going to be hard for me to keep watching the show. Yeah. I don't think Beth's going to betray them. I don't think Beth is going to betray them. Beth is too honest to be good. Now... To be uh, bad, you mean? To be bad. Now, I think that when they show... When seeing Courtney mishandle all of the artifacts from the JSA headquarters is funny and horrible to see them. Like, seeing her use the Thunderbolt... And be like, oh, this thing's, oh, scary device. And then you hear Yiz, the genie, giggling. It's like, oh, God, that's going to set up something so awesome later. And then her saying, oh, I can't get in my locker. Uh, The Green Lantern's stuck. Because she was squishing everything into her locker. Yeah. 
and this at the end just seeing all the different artifacts and now officially it's you have pat like what the hell are you doing at this point because the green lantern is glowing now i'm curious but why is the green lantern glowing is it glowing for him is he the green lantern unfortunately alan scott's green lantern it was weird because it was the ring is what you need to be green lantern and the ring was on if the ring is there it'll work but i don't know if the ring is there it's just a lantern does pat have the ring is that why it glowed maybe but i don't think you can use i'm a huge green lantern fan by the way if you listen to the superhero show i i talk about credentials about green lantern also check out the green lantern episode i'm a huge my criteria is there we talk about in the movie review but Alan Scott's lantern was made from a from a meteorite known as the Star Heart, and then he made the the ring from it and the lantern that gave him the power he needed. But I'm just I don't know. Maybe they're gonna have to. I think they're probably gonna have to make another ring out of the lantern, probably, because that's how it originally was made. They just took a piece of the lantern and they made a ring. He may do that again if he doesn't have the ring. But then it's also the Green Lantern. That Green Lantern ring is really janky because. It's pow- its weakness is wood. Okay. So, yeah. I mean, at least now they explain how the weakness for the regular Green Lanterns works. It's not just the color yellow, it's color fear. It's fear is their weakness. So, but Yeah, but we haven't we haven't gotten that yet. That's in the TV show that's going to be on HBO Max next year. And that I may buy HBO Max for that if it's a good show. But I digress. So back to this. So Pat's going to be pissed off and there's going to be a reckoning. Uh, but I did like some of the little nods here and there. Like the fact that Artemis from Young Justice is in this episode. They finally show her ability. And they're looking for Yolanda and Courtney are looking for a cruise. They say, well, what about Artemis Croc? Who is a, it's Sportsmaster's daughter. And they're like, no, she's a little too competitive. And you see her wailing on a guy. Just like throwing him across the room. Just beating him. You're like, Wow. We hope she's still a superhero in this series, because she'd be crazy. She, she'd kick butt, but it would almost be like, it's too much. In the series, she is uh, Kid Flash's girlfriend, and she's also an archer. So, well, that's interesting. She's kind of like Green Arrow, which they could bring her in the Arrowverse, but again, we'd have to wait and see how that goes. Now. Other big news. One, uh, not a lot of information going on with uh, Mrs. with uh, Courtney's mom. They talk about that she has more meetings now, but they're not really emphasizing on what's going on. Yeah, she's not as president as present in the household. Sure. Yeah, which is probably going to lead to something later on. Either she's cheating on Pat with uh, with Jordan, aka Icicle, or it's. Something. I think it's going to be a mother daughter fight. Like, hey, you're never around, or she's going to put herself in danger or break an arm or something and then the mom's gonna get really mad and she can come back and i think there's gonna be a mother-daughter fight something of the akin to you're never around anymore you stopped caring when you married pat that that has to come to a head like that i feel like that's the fight that's coming with that well we're gonna have to wait on that i do like that pat in the beginning of the episode straight up says you were right there are other isa members here and i gotta find out who they are before we do anything else Mm mm-hmm but he admits that she's right, and he's looking for it, and he's trying to find it. But I think the betrayal of trust, something's going to happen. Maybe he'll take the staff away, hide it. I don't think he can take the staff away. I think the staff is its own thing. He could lock it up. 
But wouldn't it just bust out and find her? I don't know. Maybe. We, we'd have to wait and see. Now, the other thing, the ISA's activity, I gotta say, seeing the gambler in the movie theater laughing was weird because he was so against the movie theater. So against it. He's like, oh, ha, 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 ha. He used it as a place to meet his... Because uh, it doesn't bring in wife. a lot of money. Yeah. So it's a good meeting place because there's not a lot of people there. That is true. I, I do like that he uh, pays the guy off, but then he says, oh, here, have this. It's chocolate. <laughs> and you're like, oh, God, you know he poisoned him or did something to it immediately. Like, seeing him flip the coin, that was really cool. And I was hoping it was something else. It was a bomb or something else. But he's like, no, it's chocolate. You could eat it. I was like, really? That's his tip? It made a coin sound. Chocolate doesn't make a coin sound. The chocolate coins kind of do. When you flip them, no. Yeah, when when you hit them together, because the, the foil on the outside, that is like a metal kind of tin, and then you see it, that he's got foam coming out of his mouth, oh, yeah, he, and then the tin is open, like he ate the chocolate. It was poison, yeah. It was clever to see him later on when uh, the principal is playing her violin, because we know she's apparently related to the fiddler and she's playing it and hypnotizing the one guy and the other guy's fighting against it and he's like oh you have stronger will than your your friend that's too bad and he just kills him right there you're like wow but why did he need that i don't know i don't know what's happening with that that was like the teaser that's their plan for whatever's going on but i've got to say this episode was well done I still feel like it's... It's the weaker of the two episodes. I still feel like it's big, scary, evil people and sweet kids that don't know what they're getting themselves into. Like, it doesn't feel well-matched. Like, in other superhero things, there's a supervillain, but the superheroes are like... No, the supervillains are there. It's the Buffy the Vampire Slayer in, in the first season knows about the Master because they have their Watcher who's teaching them what's going on. Right. And you have the mysterious figure who's telling them Angel who's doing what to do. This is very disconjointed. It's the, uh, you have the mentor who, usually it's the mentor is teaching the main character and the main character is getting things done. This is, the mentor is there, but the main character doesn't give a shit what the mentor says. Or what the psychic says. And that's kind of a... It's weird. It's more like the villain show at this point. But... We're still invested, and this was a good episode. I'm getting more invested in it. Its returns are getting better. Yeah. That's what I've got to say about that, definitely. So now if that's out of the way, let's get to the show we're actually excited to super talk about. Snowpierce episode 5. Holy shit. Um, I did not expect that ending. Did you? Uh, no. So, uh... Should we just go over the whole episode straight up or just get right to... Just get right to it. So yeah, so LJ was... Well, actually, let's get... We have to explain the whole... The jury that was selected. So Melanie agrees to do the jury thing with the three different classes. So yeah, first, second, and third class. And equal representation. So one person from first, one person from second, and one person from third. And how she chooses them is the... It's lottery. It's lottery, but it's like um, bingo. Yeah, call your number, that's what you get. And they get, first off, they get a nice older lady from first who is pretty, like, she looks like a grandma, but she's nice. An eccentric grandma with really cool jewelry. And she's actually able to relate with the other two members. It isn't the, oh, you're second and third class, leave me alone. She's like, don't hold it against me because I'm the representative from the first class. 
and she gets along with them. She's like how first class should be, not like how the other lunatics are. Second class is the teacher we met earlier, the nice teacher who's teaching Miles. She's a good woman. And then last third class is a papermaker. And I love the fact that when you first see him, he looks like shit. He's, co- he's covered in mud. He's the guy who makes paper. And then when you see him, they cleaned him up. Yep. Put him in a suit. And it's it's nice how they, they cleaned him up and he's he's dealing with this. And, hey, you want some water? You want some... some and then like, the teacher, the primary school teacher from second, she's like, oh, I'm a teacher. Oh, our kids love your paper. It's so wonderful. Like, it was sweet. And they get along fine. It's not a... It's fake. It's not this. Because you have uh, the Folgers at first, like, yeah... Uh, the old lady's one of us. She'll convince them. And it's like, no, it's she's honest. I mean, she could be. She could be the secret, secret sleeper cell. No, I don't think that was the case. No, she, but that's what I was thinking when I was like, oh, the you know. Because that's what we, th- we assumed at first. Because that's going on. Because we have the Folgers I almost effect- expected them to say, one of us. One of us. That would have been cool. <laughs> Creepy, but cool. Creepy. But the Folgers are so are so desperate to protect their daughter. They first threaten Melanie straight up, saying, "Oh, if if you're trying to take away my bloodline, my like uh, Lila's her bloodline. It's like it's also your husband's bloodline. What the hell?" But one thing that's super creepy. Oh, while well, they're waiting, you could you you, you take this. <laughs> she the daughter. Ask the dad, Daddy, can I do it? And the mom's like irritated, like, no, don't, like, you know, you, you should be focused on the case. And the dad goes, no, go ahead. Takes off his glasses, leans forward, holds his eye open. The daughter pops out his glass eye, rolls it around, puts it in her mouth, and starts doing like funny little tricks with it. It's creepy, weird, sadistic. And then you learn, the mom says, Layla, when she was like, what, seven or something? LJ, when she was little, stabbed her dad in the eye. And then as opposed to him freaking out about it. As the jelly was rolling down his face, he was holding her to protect her from herself during the tantrum. So they know that she has these crazy ass tantrums where she's vicious. She has. um, But the, the point was the dad would do anything to protect her. And when they said that, it brought me immediately to, um, if you guys remember, uh, serial rapist Brock Turner the affluenza kid and i'm like this girl has affluenza it's she has no boundaries and she got away with everything so she thinks she can get away with everything because she has and now she officially has gotten away with everything and mommy and daddy are there to protect her and when at first they're like oh this is just formality we're gonna let her go and this and that and then uh, mr folger ends up talking to five other people in the cars the first class who said, and they're they're seditioning mutiny against Mr. Wilfer. They said, let Mr. Butiny stay in his engine, uh, but we'll we'll run the day by day for this train because we're the ones who have to deal with it. And they're saying, well, Melanie's the first one that's going to go. Little do they know, Melanie's doing everything. And Melanie is Mr. Wilford. But with Melanie, she's like digging herself deeper and deeper and deeper. I feel like. That little poem, when at first you practiced to deceive. How did that go? Uh, I don't know that poem. When you first, at first you practiced to deceive. Ugh. No, but you're right. She is digging the hole worse and worse and worse because things are getting worse and she has all of this on her. It's just more and more cover up that she's having to do. 
And at first, it seems like things are going well, but then, in the middle of the trial, when it gets to Lila Jr., she admits immediately, like, oh, I found out that, uh, when... Because they have her dead to rights. Everybody's like, she's evil, she's evil, she did this. The fact she, in her jewelry box. It wasn't in Eric, the security guard stuff. It was in her jewelry box. There were severed penises. Pristine. Pristine. And it's like, this girl, something's wrong. So there's no... And they have people from third class, second class, and first class there watching. So it's not like it's... This is a... And it's being echoed everywhere. It's being um, broadcasted everywhere. And she admits, like, says, Oh, well, when you were watching me, well, Sean Wise admitted that he was a spy for Mr. Wilford. And when she does that, you just see Melanie's jaw drop. And it's like, oh, God, what does she know? And because she knows stuff, and what she mentions are four, there's 400 secrets... That means she knows something about the drawers, which is that there are 400 drawers, and one we may eventually have to fill up all 400 drawers. But she wants, Melanie wanted better care taken of all of those people so that they can come out. Okay. Which means that I feel like some people are going to have to start coming out. Yeah, that is true, but um, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know. I don't know. All I know is that because of that, she got a commuted sentence. And all three of the jurors all unanimously said, she's guilty. Guilty. Sent her to the drawers. And she's like, oh, God, I'm going to cry. It's going to be horrible. And then because Melanie freaked out, she sent a message to the front. And the front, uh, the engine, both of them. She sent a contingency. So there's basically three people that run the engine. Melanie. Her boyfriend. The guy that she. Is sleeping with. Rage sleeps with when things when reality becomes too much and then the smart guy who's her friend who they're all pissed at her right now because they said this is bullshit so they said you know if if this then this so as soon as the verdict is shared mr wilfred sends a message a quote-unquote sends a message and the message is she gets commuted due to her age because she's young she's teen which they don't even house arrest her they just said oh she could she's just to her parents gonna take care of which means Nothing did happen, but it was like, oh, thank you, Mr. Wilford. I think, I think that there should be a attempt on her life from third class. And they're not going to be able to protect her. On uh, Melanie? No, the... Oh, on LJ. LJ. Totally. Uh, and because the method that... Which we... would be better than her going into a drawer... Yeah, I think that is the case. And more importantly, we saw that third class can get there. No problem. Mm-hmm. The opening of the episode is someone from the night car bringing roaches to first class Ugh. as a message. And they said, oh. On top of a pile of poo. They said, oh, well, t- take this away. Call call hospitality. And you have Ruth, or sorry, Beth being all. Oh, you shouldn't, you should, there has to be order, not, uh, not fairness. Right. She would rule with fear. If Beth was, uh, Mr. Wilford, it would be first class gets everything. Everybody else is screwed. But she would rule with fear. I don't think she'd take off arms of people. I think she'd just straight up kill them. No, she, she likes taking arms off. She enjoyed that, which was really just disturbing. Yeah. She knows exactly how many arms have been taken. And then her, like, when they were running out of time, like, uh, what do we do now? Um, we'll talk about something else. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's like, 
you're a sociopath. How the fuck did she become hospitality? Because she's strict. I would have promoted... Because would, she makes things happen. I would have made... I would have fired her and brought someone from third class to become hospitality. I said, you oh, can't... Third class isn't going to bow forever. You're going to be upgraded. You're going to be upgraded to hospitality. You're going to get better food, but you have to be very. That's a that's a hard job to do. True, but at this point, it's what are you going to do? No, I totally hear you. I just it's it's a rough situation. What's going on? It really is. And now the other part of this episode, there also doesn't seem to be any kind of perk. To being hospitality. I don't know what the perks are. Well, hopefully they'll explain it in the episode or we're going to see. But I'm pretty sure LJ is going to have a attempt on her life. And the question is, will Melanie let them get away with it? Will LJ kill again? I think she will. Totally think she will. And I don't know if she knows that Melanie is Mr. Wilford. But she admitted straight up that she said, like, I will, I will, I will protect Mr. Wilford for him protecting me. So she may think that Mr. Wolford is someone else who's protecting her, and because she knows the secrets, she can get away with anything she wants. I don't know. But third class is ready but for But what I like blood. about Snowpiercer is I don't know. It's that thing again. I can speculate, but I don't... Like, I don't know where it's going. We don't know where it's going now. The other loose thread is... One, seeing Leighton, his vision was kind of cool. Because at first, I knew what it was immediately just by watching it. But you kind of had to wonder what it was about. Him seeing the whole cannibalistic of them stopping the cannibals. But then Josie rescuing him and Oz and Till finding them. And Till beats the other guy, what's his name, on the back of his head. Oz. Oz. Because it, inherently, she knows that's the right thing to do. Because she was shocked that Leighton is in a drawer. Because he shouldn't be. We were told he went back to the tail. And so... And Oz attacking the girl immediately. But they were hardcore on... Josie. Josie being responsible for Till. Till getting upgraded, but that means Josie's... Oh, oh no, no. Jinji. Jinji. She's on the hook for everything that Till does. So, uh-oh. Yeah, and then her going back and then Oz is gone, but there's blood on the floor. It's like, this is not good. Uh, yeah. But Oz, either way, you could bring up that Oz is a piece of shit. And he's already on thin ice. His probation was up. Was done. For him trading sexual favors for... Chrono. Drugs. All you have to do, all Till really would have to do, is go to Terrence. Terrence, he's going to rat you out. Terrence would kill him immediately. But Till doesn't know who Terrence is. No. He didn't want her to find out who he is. So the one person who knows is Leighton. And Leighton's currently... And her girlfriend or her wife, you know, whatever that situation is, needs to be brought in on this, which means Melanie's then going to know instantly, which means... I don't think she'll tell Melanie. This It's it's, a mess. This is a cluster. It's a huge clusterfuck at this point. It's Things are really bad. And also, Leighton is out of the box, and Leighton knows the truth. And he's high as a kite. And slightly no, damaged. So he is going to... So officially, we're going to have a not a revolution like going around a planet. This is this is the spark that's going to send everything to hell. 
it's going to be now the first, the third class and tailies versus the rest of the train. It's scary. And we have five episodes left of the show. And I've got to say, of this season, rather, because season two got renewed. And just the titles for some Thankfully. of the next couple episodes are interesting. Like, first off, you have... The next episode is Trouble Goes Sideways. And then the last episode of this season is titled 994 Cars Long. It's 1,001 Cars. So... Trouble Goes Sideways... Do some of the train cars go sideways? Do they lose stuff? Do they cut the tail off? This is going to be good. Interesting. And we have six, we have five episodes left. We're halfway. And this has gone from, oh, it's a murder mystery to, no, this is a, this is back to how it originally was. It's a revolution. It's totally a revolution at this point. And from people who've reviewed this earlier said this second half is a totally different animal and it's a very interesting animal so we're gonna have to wait and see so it just opens as a murder mystery what do you guys think is gonna happen do you think that uh lila jr is gonna be assassinated or do you think that they are gonna try to take melanie's life do you think lila jr is gonna try to take melanie's life and do you think that lila jr deserves to die let us know email us in Email us at spirekin.gmail.com, xanaspirekin.com, or leave comments in the show notes at spirekin.com. Because if you go to this thing and leave comments, I'd love to see your guys' stuff. But, so, I think that's it for this episode. We've talked a lot about a lot of stuff, haven't we? Yeah, I think we covered a lot. Yeah, so, um, anyway, thank you guys for listening. I'm Zan. I'm Greta. We're Gonzo. Catch you guys next time, and keep watching TV shows. See you next time.